Good evening. Welcome to Green Tree Church's live stream Bible study. Uh, we appreciate your time that you take out of your schedule, all that you're doing to want to uh, spend time studying God's Word. Our subject has been, uh, what is God like and what difference does it make? Uh, we have one more week, so next Wednesday we'll conclude the series. Uh, and now that we're in warm weather, starting to get outside, uh, it's appropriate that we look at God as creator. And so we'll be spending most of our time in Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And as we look at what God is like, uh, we want to be sure we're pulling application, application from this. We, we want it to shape our lives. So let's ask God to be with us and get started. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak. You speak clearly. You speak words of wisdom, of grace, of encouragement. We want to know your truth. We want to know you because we believe that in knowing you, our lives are filled with your goodness. So we ask that you would Refresh and encourage your people. Help us to set aside busyness, distractions, things that are heavy upon us. Uh, we ask that you would cause your truth to be clear and penetrating into our life. What is happening in our life today? And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what should we know about God as creator. Um, God created everything out of nothing. Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1. We'll look at just a few of the verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit, and it was so. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, and it was so. The greatest things we know, whether it's oceans or stars, all came into existence because God spoke them into being. Look how casual uh, Scripture describes it in verse 16. Uh, he made the stars also. The vast uh, numbers of stars beyond human comprehension. And Scripture just speaks of God making them also. It was not extra effort or labor. It was the simple declaration, let them be. And, and stars, specifically by name and number, came into existence. As creator, we should uh, learn a, a couple realities about God that, that are staggering. The first is that God alone is unmade. Beyond what we can really fit into our minds, how can God not have a beginning? He always has been. He is the only unmade 
being. And everything that exists came into being out of nothing. God did not reshape what already existed. Out of nothing, everything came by the word command of God. And then God continuously sustains all of this. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, we read, In him all things hold together. This universe is meant to fill us with an awe that uh, turns our hearts to be humble before God and to worship him, that we would, in awareness of how everything came into being, we would always be worshipers of God, that we would be humble before such a magnificent being, that we would trust him, that we would follow him. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, we read, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. All that God has made came into existence that we might appreciate it and learn something about how wondrous God is. Creation certainly helps shape the way we think about God, the greatness of God. And God created everything by his design. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. Again, we'll just skip through a few of the statements. Verse 5, God called the light day, the darkness he called night. Verse 10, God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas verse 25 god made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind the language doesn't allow the sense uh, that some would give that god started it but then evolution took over God created species to reproduce according to their kind from the beginning of creation. Uh, In verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God did not merely set creation in motion. Rather, creation follows the plan and careful purpose that God has given to it. Uh, Creation is not chaotic. It is orderly. Creation is so orderly, uh, the world has to acknowledge it, but they're not comfortable with using language that points to God. So we have phrases we've heard so often, uh, the laws of nature, as though somehow nature aligned itself in ways that are unchanging. Or uh, we speak of animal instinct, that animals 
generation after generation come into the world knowing how to act and in very precise ways by instinct. Now, what, what is instinct? If we don't believe God created the earth, then uh, there's just matter. Just molecules of matter that come together in various forms and over time reshape and morph into other types of creatures. What would allow instinct? Uh, Take honeybees, which when a honeybee finds a, a source of nectar, it comes back to the hive and will go... Uh, through an elaborate dance of height, direction, of movement that lets the other honeybees know the direction and distance that the nectar is from. How does a bee know how to go through this intricate dance? And every other honeybee also understands it. And the world just labels it with animal instinct and then covers it uh, without having to confront the reality here is clearly the the order and creation of god it is completely unreasonable to label this under the chaos of evolution Denying this reality would make us no more than an accidental collection of cells that have come from nothing and passed into nothing. If God has not created us, then there is no human soul because only matter exists. How is it that what is just matter that we can touch molecules in different density and forms that they could have a mind that we could have feeling Uh, there certainly is no everlasting there is no hope for the future we pass into nothing unless there is god who has created us and given us our soul and giving us given us our meaning. You are an eternal soul. You have a beginning, but you are everlasting. Your soul will never pass away. The question is where your soul will abide forever. Where will you be? But you have an everlasting soul brought into existence by God. You're not a beast that lives for the moment. And that's where our value is established. We have innate value, not by how much gifting we have or how well people like us, what we produce for society. Our value comes because God has assigned it to us. Because God created us with value. So there is no degree of disability or disfigurement 
or limitation in a person that keeps them from being valuable. Their value is because they are a human soul created by God. To know him, to love him, to experience life with him. Value is not signed, assigned by how the world views us and what we bring to the world. And so we should never diminish our sense of value because we don't fit measurements that are like someone else's or that the world declares makes us valuable. God views us as valuable because of how he has made us. But that then is true of everyone else. Whether or not we like them, get along with them, whether or not we feel they are fitting in this world or with us, their value comes because they are made in the image of God. They may not be reflecting that well. They may despise the idea of God, but their value comes from him. So whether we're thinking about where does our value come from, how we treat other people. Value is God-assigned. It is God-centric. And so creation and our understanding of God as creator is essential to how we look at value, the value of ourselves, the value of other people. And then, as Tim Shuri had pointed out to us so well a few months ago in his conference, uh, Respect the Image, uh, that value of us as those made in the image of God, that has huge implications in the way we treat people, how we communicate with them, how we think about them. These are are truths that come from the existence of God and what he is like. Uh, How we think about people and treat them is not just to come out of our own feelings, our own thoughts, or the culture around us. God created everything that exists, and he did so perfectly. Uh, Verse 31 God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. There was no lack, nothing missing in God's creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, when it says, On the seventh day God rested, it was not the rest of fatigue. It was the rest of completeness. God rested in the labors, not because he was tired, but it was done. God made the world perfectly, completely, and everything that he had intended, everything that was needed. And God wants you to delight in what he has made for his glory and for your amazement. God has created the world Not only that you would glorify him for his greatness, but that you would enjoy what he has made. That you would be filled with wonder and amazement. God loves for us to be filled with wonder. He gave us that capacity. 
And he wants us to experience it over and over again. There are literally billions of reminders of the goodness of God and the wonder of God in the world he has made. And as we see what is amazing and beautiful, we recognize that is because God is amazing and beautiful. So whether uh, we look through a telescope at what is far away or through a microscope at what is tiny, at each direction is, is speaking to us in terms of amazement. God is, is crying out of his majesty. In every way, this world fits together. And in how we enjoy it, whether it is uh, a day at the beach, to feel the warmth of sun, to hear waves, uh, to feel the, the breeze and just sit there relaxing in uh, what God has created for us to enjoy He made the beach for us to sit and enjoy, for our hearts to be delighted. And then realize, Lord, this is is from you. This speaks to why I worship you, why I should trust you, why I should be humble before you. And whether it is the woods or the mountains, uh, all of it is filled with the experience in in tiny ways and great ways to to fill us with wonder about God. The fact that we not only hear sound, but we can manipulate that to create music. That's part of our being made in the image of God. We cannot create out of nothing but We are creative in our nature because we are made in the image of God. And so to the degree we are able as finite beings, we are creative. And so we're we're creative with how we shape sound, with how we shape color and, and how we paint or how we sculpture. Uh, we are creative in how we put together ingredients for food, for flavor, to be enjoyed and to please others. These things we enjoy doing and then sharing with others is part of our being image bearers and beings who are created, brought into existence by this wondrous God. And he who loves us as his children wants us to to have some sense as is possible of what it is to create and give joy to others. Even with technology that we're able to come up with devices that amaze, that the human mind is able to create technology that almost seems magical and would be viewed as magical just a few generations ago. It, again, is part of what God has instilled in us. 
And so that is to be exercised not with the arrogance of, of boastfulness and pride, but in joy and humility of what God enables us to participate in. And so using gifting and interest and enjoying these things, uh, this is part of being God-centered people if we pursue creative work and enjoy it with an eye toward God. That honors him greatly. It's not really optional to consider this. If we're not recognizing all of these things come from God, they, they're direct lines toward him. If what we enjoy in this created world doesn't remind us about God, we're, we're not paying attention to him. We're taking honor from him because we're not seeing his role in them. And the more we recognize these truths, the better it is for our own soul. Our own soul not only is encouraged by all of this, uh, but we are uh, strengthened in how we hold close to him. And the reminders of God protects us from being distracted and, and following after the many temptations and, and distractions that the world can bring to us. Uh, we need lots of reminders to keep ourselves being God-centered. But if God has created everything, created it perfectly, then why is there so much pain in this world? Why is there sorrow? Why is there death and corruption? Everything was good until man sinned. So the answer of why is directly tied to our sin. That's what brought pain and ruin. That's what began to... Uh, misform this world that God has made. And so when we go through pain and sorrow, we see what is corrupt in the world. It, it should remind us of the great evil, the, how all sin is ruinous. If there's anything we're to fear, it's to, to fear sin knowing the effect that it has. So uh, we avoid all sin, no matter what degree the we see there are no innocent sins, sin that doesn't have an impact. Uh, knowing how much corruption and pain there is in this world, and yet thinking about how much joy we still can take from this world, even as crazy as it is, as much corruption that has come into it and how much despair comes into this world and yet we can find great joy in it. So can you imagine how much joy and contentment you will receive from the new creation when God remakes all heaven and earth, and it will never be spoiled again. How full 
will our joy be when all is made whole? We are, which means how we live in our attitudes and also means our capacity to enjoy all that's good in this world. And everything is always God-centered and, and nothing leaves its meaning or purpose and all our interaction with each other and enjoying what God has made. What is ahead of those who are with our Savior forever. It is joy unimaginable. It is fullness that will be constant bubbling over joy that will never leave us. So when we think of God as creator and the implications of that, which we've pointed some out, what difference should that make in how we live? How do the realities of God as creator, how do they shape life? The first implication is only God can say how life should work. He is the only one that has the right to define what is true, what is right. He who brought this world into existence and brought us into existence, how can he not be the only one with the right to define how does life work? How does the human soul operate? If you have soul problems, you have fears and frustrations, you have relational problems, you have burdens, how can we go outside of scripture, go outside of the truths of God to try to Fix what is wrong with our soul. If you have concern for those that you love, how can you go outside of the teaching of God and the counsel of God's people to try to get help to fix a life and a mind and a soul with those who consider truth to be something that really has nothing to do with God at all. How does marriage work? How does sexuality work? God created marriage. Male and female, he created them. And then joined man and woman to be married and and gave sexuality as a, a part of his gift to the world. This is something God designed for our good and blessing. And so any restriction from God is not to detract from life, it is to protect it and make it good. Any restriction God has in life, any what we think is a narrowing is, is purely out of his wisdom and understanding of of what really does work in the end. What is counterproductive or not? For the same reason, only sin can be defined by God. What is wrong? What is broken in relationships? What is broken in thinking, attitudes? Only God can define what is broken as only God can define what is whole. We, we look to him to understand these realities, to, to understand how do we make our way through this world. 
And so life works as we embrace the truths of God. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You want life to work and you want your life to grow closer to God. Where does that come from? It says, uh, through the knowledge of him. It is by our understanding of God and then embracing that understanding that life works. All that you need for life, for godliness, comes through the knowledge of God. So don't be intimidated by any attacks the world makes on biblical living, any accusations, any mockery. God is the one who guarantees his word. God is the one who is at the end of this life. God is the one who brings us into eternity. We should not be concerned what the world thinks. We should not be affected by their view, regardless of how many people say it or think it or how strong they are. A true understanding of life, life that is good, life that is right, can only come through our Creator. Just as only those who manufacture your car can give you the directions of how it is supposed to work, how can it not be true when we're talking about all of creation, which is far more complex and there's far more at stake? A second implication, only in God can we find our ultimate meaning. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read, all things were created through him, and for him. God brought all things into existence so that all creation would then honor him, be used for his glory. Our purpose is to glorify God. We exist for God, and as we live for God, we who are shaped for that, our life becomes full and whole. We glorify God by worship, by exalting him above all other beings and things and desires. We glorify God by serving him. That all activities in our life uh, follow his values. Serving God is not just when we are a part of an activity organized by the church. That's just one narrow way of serving God. Serving God is to be in all that we do. We are servants of God. We live in service to do him, service to him, which means that all of our activities, all of our pursuits follow God's values. That's how we serve him. And we depend upon him. We uh, trust him. That's part of how we glorify God. We're not seeking to get ahead of God, and, and then he catches up with us and helps us in what we want. We're, we're followers. We're dependent on God. We're realizing we need him. That dependence gives honor to him. It, it glorifies him, recognizing we always need him, and, and we trust him when it 
doesn't look like things are going well, we, we believe what he has promised and said, that trust glorifies him. So our purpose is to glorify God, and so fulfillment comes to us as we recognize we're created by God for his glory and that we are image bearers, that we have a particular connection to our creator, much more than any other created being, even than angelic beings, as wondrous as they are, they are not created in the image of God as humanity is. When angels fell from God, such as Satan and rebelled, God the Son did not take the nature of an angel to save them. He took the nature of humanity to save us. That speaks strongly to how God views us and God's desire for us. We're meant to share God's character. That's why holiness, godliness are are so important that holiness and godliness means our character is like his. Those are wondrous words. Those are wondrous invitations to be more like our God in in how we think, how we live. The animals cannot be holy, but we can be holy. We can be godly. We can be like our Father. We're meant to share his character. We're meant to share life with him. He who made us his children and calls himself father who adopted us into relationship with us. Sin caused us to be unfit for that relationship. So we're not able to live in relationship with God as long as we're under the guilt of sin because God must condemn sin. He must punish sin. Through Christ, the guilt is removed. And we're able to enter into relationship. We're now adopted. We who had been created by God now come into his highest desire that we have this relationship with him. We needlessly live lives that are empty and aimless when we don't live by the purposes we're meant for. And God's purposes are wondrous. Again, we see, just look how wonderful the world he created in its its pure form. How beautiful and how good it is. God's purposes are all good like that. Instead, we can senselessly just gorge ourselves on things that we think will make us happy, but are never enough. And if they're pursued without God... It all comes with complications and baggage and it it just never ends well when what we're pursuing and enjoying doesn't have God in the center of it. It it becomes misused and and it will have a result that's tearing. We rob ourselves. We harm ourselves. 
needlessly detracting from our own lives when we're not living in pursuit of our creator, seeing, believing for our life to be fulfilled, it comes through him. A third implication is if everything belongs to God, then his right of ownership includes us. And we can be somewhat uncomfortable with that kind of language. And it is true that we are his children, and that is a a higher relationship than possession. And yet, there's still the reality we are made by him. We are his, and the world is his, and everything we have is his. And so we owe God faithfulness. In Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. But then it goes on to say, The world and those who dwell in it. So it is not just the world that belongs to God and all that fills the world. It includes those, the people who dwell in it. We are all his created beings. So we have no right to consider parts of life under our rule apart from God. Uh, A mistaken way of thinking people can have is to divide life into the categories of of secular and sacred and neutral. There is what is sacred, what they would say belongs to God, and then there are things that are secular or evil that certainly is to be avoided, that's against God, and then there's much of life that people think is neutral. It's not secular or sacred. What they're saying is, I can rule over that. That's not really God's. I may think of him as I use it, but this is mine. There are only two categories, what is yielded to God and what is not yielded to God because everything is his. There's not a neutral category. Even where we have freedom to make choices and decisions and use things in ways that we desire, those choices and desires are always to be shaped by what honors God. We are never free of his ownership. All things are under his rule. Uh, Fourth implication is if everything that exists is sustained by God, he holds everything together, then why should we be fearful people? Why should we be people who worry or anxious? All of life is in God's hands. Uh, Your heart beats solely because God causes it to do so. The molecules that make up everything in this created world are all made of molecules. Those molecules hold together by what power? Whether it's the molecules of this table, this cup, my body, the sun, the power that holds molecules together is the continuous power and purpose of God. The soul that he gave us is, lives 
by the authority and sustaining power of God. Every spirit being exists by the sustaining power of God. Heaven and hell exist by the sustaining power of God. And there's lots of questions that come into our minds of why. A lot of whys we don't understand, uh, but we still have this truth. God sustains all that is. He is the one that holds it together. If God sustains everything and we belong to him and we're in his hand and he has given promise to us, why would we fear anything in this world? Why fear people? Why fear circumstances when all people and all circumstances depend upon God to even exist? Uh, Whether it's pandemic, whether it's the culture we live in, whether it's governments, our future, all of these things rest completely in the creator because all things came from him and are sustained by him. Fearful things will come up, but we don't have to remain or live in fear because God holds all things. And these are not difficult for him. There is no difficulty for God. We we live in these conditions and circumstances. We live amidst the people around us, but we don't have to fear them, be anxious about them. The final thought that I'd like to bring as we think of God as creator. God formed us knowing fully what we would be like, what we would become. The Bible refers to Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, which means before God created the world, he He had the gospel plan because he knew what his created beings would do, and yet he still created us. God formed you, your soul, not in a generic way that God kind of got things going and generation after generation people come into existence and from your parents you you were brought into the world... God selected your soul to be. You exist because God wanted you in all the uniqueness that you are. What sets you apart from every other person? What makes you an individual soul? God desired your soul to be. And so God created your soul to be. And because he desires you, He sent his son to die for you because he, even though he knows you, every miserable thing, every shameful thing, every disappointing thing, God sees it all and he wants you. He wants his forever to include you. How can we not be encouraged and trusting? How can we not take heart when we consider our creator and the implications of his creating us and his doing so knowing all that we would be? You can rest in your creator and you should take joy in your creator. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father,
We give praise to you who spoke and everything was. The billions of decisions instantly made to determine what shape and form every creature would be and how it would operate. Countless decisions and intricacies. And you just spoke them all. How wonderful you are beyond doubting. You are to be trusted. You are to be loved. You are to be amazed over. You are to be worshipped. Help us to give all this to you with new freshness and intensity. And help us to see where we're not trusting in you and where the realities of you as creator are not being embraced in our life. That we, we would be pleasing to you and that our hearts would be full. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday and then again our final Bible study next Wednesday. Uh, may your heart be filled with all that God has for you. Thank you.